on the way to go home. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I'm the way to go Our scripture today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 34. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand, and the other at your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Thank you, God, for the inspiration of this word. Amen. Welcome to our reflection on Sunday for August 30th. My name is is Michael Davis. It's a blessing to continue this conversation with you, looking at Matthew 20, 20 through 34. Today, we're going to look very specifically at verses 29 through 34. And we're, we're going to look at this moment where Jesus has spent time teaching. Jesus has spent time showing the disciples what should be done. And they still don't get it. And they immediately show after being taught that they don't get it. 
I am blessed by the imagery of the flawed disciples. I'm blessed by it because it shows me that within my vulnerable places, within my scars, I still have a place as a caregiver in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even within my scars and my shortcomings, I still have a place as a caregiver in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have so many images of the disciples telling the children to go away. We have so many images of the disciples sharing with the, the person who comes and just asks for the scraps of the table, asking Christ to tell them to go away. We, we, we see these images of the vulnerable scars of the disciples, and we see Christ being the teacher in it. Now, I'm not going to read through verses uh, 20 through 28 again, but let, let's lay out real quick in verses 20 through 28 what Jesus has already taught, what has, has just taught the disciples, what Jesus just taught them. In verses 20 through 23, we see the image of the mother who is bold to step out and ask for prayer. And what Christ teaches the mother, the sons of Zebedee, is, yes, there's, there's things that you are prepared to do. There are things that you should be bold to ask for, but I won't always grant the whole request. Christ will always put us on the path that we are on the path for what is better for our true overall growth, our true overall care of self and care for others. And within doing that, actually answering the pure-hearted intent on what the mother is asking for. He asks the sons, do you think that you can drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? And they both say yes. He says, I don't think you know what that means. And in a minute, he'll explain to him what it means. And he says, yes, you truly are worthy of, you truly are able to drink from the cup that I will drink from, but I don't pick who sits on what side or the other. So we, we deal with that boldness and we deal with the out reality that even when we step out in boldness of prayer, there's always an answer and sometimes that answer is no. Then we move into this next part of the scripture and this will come into play as we look deeply at verses 29 through 34. So, the disciples, the other, the other ones here, wow, they're going to get to drink from the cup. Man, I wish I was bold enough to have asked that question. Now I'm going to be left out. What about me? What about me? Am I going to be in? What about us? And they even get mad at the other two because, wow, they did something that they weren't brave enough to do. Well, what about us? And Christ explains what it truly means to drink from the cup, both explaining to the sons, what they said that they would do and Christ said that they were able to do. And explaining to the others what it means to truly be the one that drinks from the cup. What it means to strive to be the caregiver of others. What it means to strive to make sure that others have a place in the kingdom. What it means to strive even when we feel that we set something aside for our own, we are opening up a place for another person. Christ explains all that. So now we get to this scripture. 
Now, here's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that we're here to be a servant. Christ gives the first shall be last and the last shall be made first conversation. Christ makes sure that everyone knows that what it means to drink from the cup means to make sure that those in need have an avenue to go on a journey to receive it. So let's let's watch what happens the very first time the disciples are challenged to live that. Let, let's watch. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and they and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So what happens? Now the disciples are a part of the crowd, okay? The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Then Jesus stopped and called to them, What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. So, what, what happens? Jesus is walking in the crowd. Disciples in the crowd, y'all. Disciples are in the crowd. What happens? Jesus just spent time teaching them that they're there to be servants. They're there to make sure that other people have a place at the kingdom. Then comes his first opportunity to see people in need, to see people that really need to be cared for, and they're challenged to step up and do something. And what does the crowd do? The disciples are in the crowd told him to be quiet and leave Jesus alone. Told him to be quiet and to leave Jesus alone. These are the same group of people that told the kids to be quiet and leave Jesus alone. This is the same people that had the dear friend walk over to the table and asked to just feast from the scraps of the king's table and they asked them to make, her, make them go away. We see the vulnerable, scarred reality in the disciples. And Jesus just talked to them about what it means to be the one that drinks from the cup. And immediately following that conversation, immediately following that conversation, they showed that they didn't get it. So, thankfully... For the boldness, now we're going to see the difference. Thankfully for the boldness and asking for what they desired, these two blind people reacted and called upon the compassion of Jesus Christ. And their prayer was answered. Now let's weigh out what I just said. We deal with the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the mother of Zebedee's sons. And yes, there's a little bit of selfishness in, in what's been asked for. I, I know what I said on Sunday, but there is a little bit of selfishness in what she asked for. 
But Christ ratifies what's being asked for and tears it down to the pure intent and they get what they need. Now there's a boldness in this one, but the boldness in this one, where that there is self-gain, but there is self-gain for a greater purpose. And it's described by their actions after what they asked for. So this just jumped into my mind. Let's talk about the actions of what was asked for in the original question by the mother of Zebedee's sons. She asked for the kids to have a place to drink from the cup. Christ said, you know what? Yeah, they can drink from the cup. But I don't have a say in who sits to the right or left. But they can drink from the cup. So the immediate action after that was something that was outside of the explanation. They immediately began to rebuke others that were looking boldly for asking for the same level of support. So when we tear things down to the base level, we continue to see sort of the selfishness in the original prayer. But what do we see in the res response and the reactions of this prayer? We see Christ's granite, and what do the ones do that receive their sight? They immediately followed him. The phrasing in verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. When you have the word and in there, it connects it to the greater conversation. So not only did they immediately receive their sight, they immediately followed Christ after doing so. That is a beautiful statement. And it's a beautiful statement of what it means that Christ was trying to teach the disciples in verses 20 through 28. What it means to be the one that drinks from the cup of Christ is the ones that are willing to become the followers, the ones that are willing to become the caregivers. And when these two blind souls receive their sight, they follow the leader. All right, let's look at this, the second level. And again, we're tearing this down and we're looking at the response of those who are listening. So we just looked at the sons of the mother of Zebedee's sons and their response when they asked their question. First opportunity, they were like, hey, y'all be quiet. So let's look at disciples, at all the disciples. And Christ just talked to them. Christ just uttered these words to them. And I will read this. Let's look at verse 20, 24 to 28. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the brothers. They're already showing their, their attitudes. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Who's got the power? Who's got the power? Not so with you. It's not a who's got the power statement. Verse 26. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for others. He's setting a priority. So, what is their immediate response? Verse 31, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. The disciples are real people. The disciples are trying to do the best. They're trying to get Christ to the places that he needs to be, to perform miracles, to teach, to preach. They're, they're real people. And immediately, immediately miss the point. So, Christ shows in the reaction of these what it means where the disciples themselves within the crowd that rebuked them, asking for help, just after hearing that we need to become the servants, this isn't about gaining power, it's about giving power. Their reaction was to rebuke two people in a need and tell them to be quiet. But what happens? What's the other side of the coin? Let's look at the immediate reaction of those whose light, a sight was restored. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. And I'll say this again, the word and ties that statement into the overall sentence. So it really says, immediately they received their sight, immediately they followed him. Their response wasn't going back to the norm. Their response was, I've been blessed with this and I'm going to follow the gift giver. I'm going to follow the restorer. I'm going to take this gift and follow the leader. What, what a powerful reality that's seen in that. Now listen, I'm not here to tear down the disciples today. What I am doing is I'm actually justifying my mistakes <laughs> and showing that the disciples have mistakes. The disciples are the reason that we sit and we celebrate the gospel today. They're the ones that took the gospel message out after Christ ascended to heaven. Uh, the, the disciples are the pivotal reality of what we're living with. And the reason that we have these words of celebrating the reality of Jesus Christ. And they make mistakes. <laughs> and they hear a lesson and immediately fall backwards and do the same old thing over again, even though they were just taught what to do. And there's a place that they can still drink from the cup and become the servants that God is calling us all to be. And we have the image of individuals. And now here's the difference. I like this too. This just jumped out at me. Let's talk about boldly asking for the things that we actually need in prayer. And sometimes we feel shunned and ignored and pushed aside. We feel like the crowd has told us to be quiet. Sometimes we need to call out louder. What, does the, what do the blind men do? The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. 
And what did Jesus Christ do for them when that they knew they were in the presence of one that could give them the answer that they were journeying for? Jesus stopped. Jesus called them. And Jesus gave them the opportunity to voice what they needed. What do you want me to do for you? And then boldly, they responded, we want our sight. Here's what I observe in our realness of living. And I observe it in our realness just as I'm trying to share with you. I'm not trying to share, tear down the disciples. I'm trying to share, you know what, they have flaws too. And we're flawed. And we have scars and scabs. And they had scars and scabs. And the disciples make mistakes. And we make mistakes. But we all have an opportunity to go back and drink from the cup. What I'm trying to show you is that sometimes when we do that, we have dear friends that are calling out for help. And thankfully, they are bold enough to scream out even louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it's Jesus that stops and turns and listens and gives them a place to be heard. I feel that Jesus is trying to stop a lot of this so that we can truly listen to what's going on. Now, I, I, I need to share this, and I've shared this in other conversations. I wish that our church, that churches had limitless incomes, that we could truly help every person that comes in, and unfortunately, we can't help every person that comes in. Unfortunately, we are dear friends that we have to say no to, whether that they're scamming us or not. We still have dear friends that we have to say no to because we don't have limitless resources. But it's not just giving people things. There's 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 friends that want to be heard. I I am trying not to keep going back to our issues and our denomination with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered questioning friends. But that's a community that's screaming out that says, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And we have been the ones that have said, be quiet. But thankfully, I see that we're in this moment as we are emerging into what will be the future of the United Methodist Church, that Jesus is stopping the bus so that we can all listen to the answer of the question, what do you want me to do for you? Sometimes it's the unwillingness that asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? That leaves a lot of hurt souls. That leaves a lot of friends pondering if there is truly any place for help at all. But I'm grateful for this example that at times when I feel like the unheard voice in the crowd, I can hear the voice of Christ shout out, what do you want me to do for you? And then that causes me to ponder what I really need. 
and it helps me to ask boldly to Christ to help me with what I really need. And then there's times that the crowd yells to be quiet because the crowd feels left out from the blessing or the crowd doesn't understand the living being of who's asking for the blessing. And the crowd wants it all silenced and shunned because it doesn't fit in a nice, beautiful box. And still, Christ stops and asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? I want us to pray over that. I want us to show Christ that we're listening. Not like, not like the disciples in this one that are uh, that sit in Sunday school and then immediately go out and show that they didn't understand the lesson. I want us to show Christ that we're willing to step out and that we understand the lesson. I pray that we are willing to stop and listen, and even we become the ones that ask the question, what do you want me to do for you? So that we can truly show that we understand what it means to drink from the cup, that we are willing to be the servants and not the masters, that we are willing to be the followers and not the leaders, so that we can make sure everyone has a place walking in the parade. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you for joining me in this conversation today. God is love. Amen. Have the opportunity to get to know you. Please email us at ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And if you've been enjoying our services online, please email us. Please say hello. Again, that's ncumcinfo at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to give to our church, please go to northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Again, that's northcoastumc.org and click on the Give button. Thank you for joining us.